Good morning. God's grace, his mercy, and his peace are yours because Jesus is our king who serves us. Amen. I remember this happening a lot when I was little. As I grew up more and more, uh, we would take our lawn chairs as a family and go out to a sidewalk and set them up. We'd sit there and we'd wait for a very long time in a very specific spot because we wanted to see everything that was going to happen later that day. And it took a long time. I was not very patient. But then finally, finally, we heard in the distance the faint noise of a marching band. And I would stand up and look down the road and sure enough, there was the first float coming down the street. And I knew that that was going to be a fun day. My family loved parades. We have the Rose Bowl parade, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade. We have parades. They're a lot of fun. People enjoy parades because there's so much that goes on. You have all the planning that goes into it. You have the, the floats that are made, all the creativity that you see. The giant crowds that gather They gather to celebrate, maybe grab some free stuff. Maybe your daughter's in the marching band. But I think what happens at the parade is is less important than why a parade happens. Parades happen to commemorate certain days, to celebrate certain things. They have a purpose attached to them. They want to accomplish a goal. Today's parade is no different because we do have a Palm Sunday parade before us. It's a little different than the parades we see today because it only has one float. It's a donkey. And Jesus is on that donkey. Your king comes in a parade and his parade has a purpose. So let's look at Matthew 21, the first 11 verses of Matthew 21 to see what happened at that parade and then why it's important for us. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed behind shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is God's word. The people of Israel had waited for this parade for a very long time. They had prophecy after prophecy over thousands of years that pointed to a Messiah that would deliver the people from their oppressors. And Jesus did that. We all agree on that. 
But many of the Jews thought that Jesus would be a deliverer from political oppressors, from the Romans. But Jesus' purpose was much higher than that, accomplished not on a noble white steed, but on a lowly, dirty donkey. Even on a donkey, Jesus enters Jerusalem in a very big way. He could have walked in like he would have any other day, along with his disciples. He could have snuck in the back way, but he makes sure that this day is different. He orchestrates it in a certain way, and we see as it all unfolds, we see Jesus' purpose slowly become obvious to us. I think better, though, is we see what Jesus' purpose was not by how he enters Jerusalem. Matthew points it out for us as he takes us back to that Old Testament prophecy from Zechariah 9. Jesus rode in on the donkey to show that he was a king of peace and humility, not a king of power and might. He rode in not with an army of angels or soldiers, but with a small handful of fishermen and tax collectors. Any Israelite, any Jew who knew their Old Testament wouldn't just think of this prophecy, though. They would think of another picture that happened in 1 Kings chapter 1. King David had been ruling for years and years, and now he is passing his kingdom on to his son Solomon. And so David has his officials put Solomon on his own donkey, on his own mule. And then the officials lead that mule through the city and they proclaim, Long live King Solomon! Long live the son of David! Jesus' parade had a definite purpose. It was to fulfill prophecy, but it was even more than that. Because Jesus, as he rides in on a donkey into Jerusalem, he asserts who he truly is. And in doing that, he really pushes the issue with the Pharisees, with the Jewish leaders, with the people of Israel themselves. And what I mean is this. He rides in on a donkey and he says, if you really believe that I'm the Messiah, then you're either going to crown me or kill me. Makes me think of Patrick Henry when the United States was just starting to gain traction as its own independent nation, but they're still under the the thumb of British rule. Patrick Henry stood up one day and he said, finish this for me. Give me or give me liberty or death. Pretty drastic, Patrick Henry. You want freedom or you want death. Patrick Henry, he was, he was sick of playing that middle game, being stuck in the middle. He wanted one thing, and if he didn't get that, he'll just take the other, the other side of the spectrum. Jesus, as true God, could see into the hearts of the Jewish people, and he was done playing middleman. He was done just existing in people's lives as someone who, who healed diseases, who provided food for the hungry. He would not let them be mere observers or bystanders in his parade. He draws them in. He draws them in and he forces the issue. He forces them to make a decision. Either they're going to let him be the king that he truly is or they will kill him as the criminal they make him out to be. So, Patrick Henry, though, before we move on, Patrick Henry and Jesus are similar in more than what they just said and how they said it. 
They were similar in how they went about achieving these things. Patrick Henry strenuously fought for the freedom of the American people. Jesus strenuously fought for our freedom too. Fought for the freedom of the whole world from the power of sin, death, and the devil. And they both got to their goals, but in very, very different ways. Crown me or kill me. The crowd was ready to crown Jesus right then and there. Right, we saw that in the children's message. The people are giving Jesus the royal treatment. They're waving palm branches. They're they're putting their cloaks on the ground. Also that the dirty donkey doesn't get its feet any dirtier by walking on the ground. They sing praises to him, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna to the son of David. The Pharisees, though, see this. They hear this. They're ready to kill Jesus. Did you see what Jesus of Nazareth did today? That prophet from up north? He rode into town on a donkey of all things. He thinks he's the fulfillment of Zechariah. He spits in the face of Zechariah. He thinks he's the son of David. See, this was a huge offense to the Pharisees that Jesus would so boldly assert that he is the promised Messiah. In less than a week's time, from Palm Sunday, we see that Jesus is arrested and killed by the Jewish Jewish officials. Jesus pushed the issue and he pushed and pushed and pushed. He forced the hand of the Pharisees and they made their decision. But it was exactly the decision that Jesus wanted them to make. See, Jesus was bold in letting the whole city of Jerusalem know who he was, but he was also humble at the same time. That's hard for us to to really take on, but Paul did a great job of writing about that in Philippians in our second reading for today. Jesus was and is true God, but he didn't use that as something to his advantage. Rather, he became a human. The king took the servant's place, so much so that he went to the cross. He became obedient to it and died there. So everything on this day, his boldness, his humility, the donkey, the people, it all points ahead to the cross that Jesus would meet on Good Friday, humbly. But it's not so much that Jesus became obedient to it, to the cross. Jesus needed the cross. Jesus needed to die for you and me. He needed to fulfill his very life's purpose of dying for the sins of the whole world. Because when, really when we think about it, when the Jews killed Jesus, they crowned him. At the same time, they crowned and killed Jesus. They helped Jesus fulfill exactly what he was out to do. In Matthew 20, verse 28, Jesus says this about himself. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you notice where that verse is in relation to the Palm Sunday parade? It's right before it. Just a few verses. It might have even been the morning of Palm Sunday. Jesus lets his purpose be known to us, to the disciples. 
He is coming to give his life as a ransom for many, for the whole world. Just think about that. When he was sentenced to death by, by Pilate, by the Jewish officials, Jesus could have gone, you know what? Great, I'm very cool with that because you're helping me accomplish what I set out to do from the very beginning. I can now go and save the world. I can die to save the world from the power of sin, death, and the devil, even including you, the ones who sentenced me to death. Jesus pushed the issue, starting with this Palm Sunday parade, so that he could accomplish what he set out to do, what he needed to do. Now, does he do the same with us? Does Jesus come to us and push the issue? Crown me or kill me? Well, let's imagine that for a second. I don't think any of us would fall on the side of yelling, crucify him, crucify him with the crowd on Good Friday. So we don't kill him. But I don't think we crown him either. We like Jesus We sing songs about him. We sing songs to him. We pray to him from time to time. But to to crown Jesus as your king is so much more than that. It's trusting in his promises no matter what the circumstances are in your life. It's putting Jesus as the number one thing in your heart 100% of the time. Everything you say, think, or do No one in the world can even claim to do that. So we don't kill Jesus. We don't crown him. Patrick Henry gave liberty or death as the choices, and quite frankly, well, death is pretty grim, and liberty is really hard to get to, so is there a third option, Mr. Henry? Jesus gave two options, crown me or kill me. We don't want to kill Jesus, but it's so hard to crown him. So hard to give him what he rightfully deserves as the perfect son of God. We set up excuses. We have our sins that try to block Jesus out of our hearts, try to keep him from crowning, from being crowned by us. But on on Palm Sunday, throughout Holy Week, he was crowned, he was killed. For us. So whether we crown Jesus or not, the way he rightfully deserves doesn't change the fact that he's still your king. Doesn't change the fact that Jesus rides triumphantly into your heart each and every day to kill your sinful nature and to crown you with his perfection and his righteousness. That's why the Apostle Peter calls all of us Together, in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, a holy nation and a royal priesthood. God's special possession. You are so, so special to God because he's your king. He's given you his power. Where do we fall? If we're not killing Jesus, if we're not crowning Jesus, where do we fall in this account Well, let's look at the disciples. Because Jesus deals with the disciples in the exact way that he deals with us today. Jesus gave them very specific instructions to go and find a donkey and a colt, 
down to the nitty-gritty detail of what to say if someone stops them. And we see in, other, in the other gospel accounts that someone does stop them and the disciples follow through with what Jesus said to say. It's not like Jesus couldn't go get the donkey himself. He created it after, after all. He could go and do anything he wanted to, but he draws the disciples in. He makes them part of the parade and he tells them to listen to what he says and to do what he says. That was the purpose of the disciples on Palm Sunday and that is our purpose today. Makes me think of, again, when I was little, my mom would always ask me to help her bake cookies. And the way she'd do it, I'd be in another room and she'd go, Lucas, I need your help with these cookies. Now, before I was born, I'm sure my mom cooked like billions of cookies. And after I moved out of the house, she's baked tons more by herself. She doesn't need my help to bake cookies. I am not the missing piece of the puzzle. She can do it all by herself. So why would she say, I need your help? She wants me to be part of the process. She wanted me to listen to what she said, to do what she said to follow instructions, and to learn how to love and serve people in that specific way. My mother employed me to bake cookies. Jesus employed the disciples to go get that donkey. Jesus employs you for acts of love and service, and he not only employs you, but he equips you as well for those acts of service. Why do you think Jesus told the disciples exactly where that donkey was going to be? They could have found a donkey, a colt, anywhere in the city, probably. But Jesus tells them exactly the one that he wanted. And they find it right away. Jesus does not want his disciples to fail. He gave them everything they needed to carry out the purpose that he gave them. And he does the same for you. He has given you a purpose, but he's also given you everything you need to accomplish that purpose, to do what he needs you to do. Jesus says, I need that casserole that you're baking for Sunday morning or Wednesday night or your connect group. I've given you all the food you need. I've given you the house to cook it in. I've given you the community to share it with. Now go and share it. I'm hungry, not for food, but I'm hungry that souls be built up, that community comes together, that relationships are built between Christian people. I need that egg bake for that purpose. Jesus says, I need your hours and hours of preparation for your Easter outdoor services. It's not that that I need hour and hour and hour, but I need people to hear the gospel message. I've given you the chairs. I've given you the food. I've given you the space. Most importantly, I've given you the message itself. So go and tell others about it. As many as you can, because I need them. I need their souls with me, close to me in heaven. Your king says, I need your boyfriend or girlfriend. I need your husband or wife. I need your children or your parents with you here in God's house. I have them in your life for a very specific purpose. 
And I need them to know what a perfect, loving relationship looks like. I'm the only one who can show them that in my word and in what I did. I need them here to see that. Do you see how Jesus needs us to do what he says? Jesus needs us to love one another, to serve one another in great humility. Did you notice the opening verse of our Philippians reading today? Go ahead and turn back there with me. It's on page 6. Philippians 2, verse 5. Let's read it together. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Did you catch it? When you go and love people, when you go and serve people, your mind should be at the same place that Jesus' mind was at as he went to the cross. Let your purpose flow out of Christ's purpose. He, was, he humbled himself being a king. He took the place of a servant. That should be your attitude as you go and serve. Jesus gave up all that he had. He used it all to accomplish what he needed to do because your life was on the line. Jesus has given you everything you need, every last thing, the people, the time, the food. He's given it all to you. Now use it all, not because your life is on the line, but someone else's very well could be. Jesus has drawn you into the parade not just on Palm Sunday, but throughout life to tell people about him, about the glorious king that became a servant and rode in on a triumphal, with a triumphal parade. I don't think we're going to see anything like Palm Sunday today. We do have very glorious parades with the Rose Bowl and Macy's Thanksgiving Day. A lot of neat parades happen I think the closest we could get is presidential parades. But even those have kind of been drawn back ever since what happened in 1963, Dallas, Texas. President John F. Kennedy was in a triumphal parade. All the attention, all the glory, all the praise coming his way until he was shot and killed. Many of you might remember that day still. That parade ended in death. And the demeanor of the nation went from extreme joy to extreme sorrow. This Palm Sunday parade has death attached to it as well. Death was actually the whole reason the parade happened in the first place. Jesus was crowned and killed. But it didn't end in death because Jesus was crowned and killed and he rose. He rose to life to give you new life, not just here on earth, but eternally in heaven. He rose so he could crown you with his perfection. He could crown you with everlasting joy. And he rose so he could equip, employ you and equip you to serve others as humbly as he did. And finally, he'll bring us all into heaven where there's an eternal, glorious, joyful parade waiting for us there.
Amen.